0: Hello, everyone. We are rolling for another episode of the JJ F1 podcast where Jonah and Jordan talk about all things related to F1. Today, we have a very interesting episode for you. It is our driver rankings. So we are going to rank every driver on the current F1 grid from 20 to 1, 20 being the worst, first being the best. Jordan, Are you ready for this episode? How are you feeling? Uh, How are your picks going?
1: Yeah, so it was was very hard to do this. So when John and I were discussing about doing this to begin with, I thought it was gonna be fun. It is fun. I didn't think it was gonna be this hard to decide where to put which driver. It was extremely difficult. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I wanna preface this though by saying that the person that I put in 20, the driver I put in 19, are not necessarily drivers that, that are awful people. We're not trying to, to bash the drivers. We're not trying to, to, to expose them and say they're awful people and that we hate them. Not at all. These are just the, our favorite drivers to watch uh, when we're watching the race. A lot of my picks were done you know, during the race today. We, we just finished the Heineken Portuguese Grand Prix at the Algarve Circuit. And a lot of my pictures were done watching the race, just being like, I, I'm so happy this guy overtook this guy, you know? So, <laughs> um, and that's, and I, I did a lot based on that. Uh, so yeah, so just, we're just, pre- just want to preface this by saying, it's not a knock on the driver's character, their personality. It's just how we feel in terms of excitement about a driver, uh, even in terms of potential about a certain driver it's uh, it's 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 all this to be taken in a positive light, and on that note, Jonah. I want to hear your picks, and I'm very excited to debate you on your picks as well. Um, and the way this is gonna work, guys, is that we're gonna start off from number twenty all the way up to number one. We're gonna go through each each of them, and I'm uh, looking forward to seeing. Uh, Seeing what you choose, Jonah. Let me. Uh, let's, let's I am. I am not. 20. I am not holding back.
0: Uh, however, I do echo your statement that we are not trying to have personal knocks on these drivers. Uh, this is just what we think on how they race and uh, how how they perform. Um, with that being said, uh, my number twenty. Worst driver on the grid, uh, according to my rankings, is Nikita Mazepin of Haas. Um, I watched him a lot in F2. I'm going to be honest. uh, Last season was the first season that I really got into F2. And I don't think that Nikita Mazepin showed a lot of the prowess and of the racing racing aptitude that it took um to be an f1 uh i think that we we talk a lot about you know he's also bringing a lot of money with him and that he really we really can't deny but i think that in terms of his pure talent um there were a lot of great drivers on the f2 grid this year uh and last year and i think that uh a bunch of them could have been more deserving of a seat than Nikita Mazepin just on the way that he races. I think that I mean especially in the last race of F2 I was watching uh in Sakir where Nikita Mazepin almost brake checked someone on the opening straight of Bahrain uh just so that he could hold on to his position and get enough super license points to get into F1. Um so just on the way he races, I'm not the biggest fan of him uh, so far in F1. We're recording this after Portugal, so he has uh, Bahrain where he finished three corners in by spinning. Um, definitely not a great start in Imola. He finished near the back of the pack, and this port in Portugal, he was I somewhere around a minute off Mick Schumacher, his teammate. So uh, for all those reasons, uh, Nikita Mazepin is
1: number 20 for me. So uh, you look, I, I unfortunately have Nikita Mazepin also at the number 20 spot as well. And, and I actually have not gotten into F2 like you did last year. I've only really gotten into it this year. Uh, and, but I, I did go and watch the highlights of the feature races of the sprint races to get myself acquainted with the likes of Yuki Tsunoda, the like, you know, Mazepin. I even went as far back to watch Lando Norris in F2, George Russell in F2. That season was incredible. Um, So I haven't really seen a full race of F2, so I can't speak to that, which is something I'm going to have to to familiarize myself with. But I did see the, the highlights, and I do agree with you. I do think that you know, maybe the Callum Eilots of the world or the Robert Schwartzmans of the world were more deserving of that has seat. Um, and I think that they had better drives than than Mazapin did. And and that's why I, I'm putting Mazepin at at the 20 spot because I don't I don't I don't think that he is fully deserving of that seat. Yes, he has worked very hard. It's very hard to, you know be in carding as of a very young age. It's very hard to make it to F2 to begin with. Um, but I do think that uh, somebody like Callum Ilott or Robert Schwartzman had better performing seasons. And, you know, as a part of the, the, the Ferrari Driver Academy, going into a Ferrari engine team, I think they would have benefited more from that experience to be in a Ferrari engine, um, to be driving with a Ferrari engine. And that's why I'm putting Mazpin at number 20, because I, I think that he needed a bit more time in F2 to develop his, uh, dr- his develop his driving maturity, not necessarily mm. you know personality maturity, but I want to say driving maturity, knowing when is the right time to overtake, when is the right time to go full throttle, when is the right time, you know, to be more aggressive on turns, uh, and to know and to get to know the formula cars a bit better, um, and that's why I put uh, Nikita Mazatin in the number twenty spot. So I think that. As of now, we're going to start seeing more discrepancies in our list. Yeah, and so that's why I'm very excited to hear number 19, Jonah. Jonah, you you tell me, what do you got at number 19? What?
0: Okay, I am ready. Uh, I don't think I don't think you're going to enjoy this, Jordan. Um, but my number 19 driver is Fernando Alonso of Alpine. Um, yeah, I yeah you. Uh, it's okay. Um. Just because I think that it's it's I respect his decision to come back into F one. I I it is undeniable. He is a two time world champion. He has showed that he can push car, uncompetitive cars into wins like he did in Ferrari. Um, that being said, I am I am not a huge fan of him because I'm I don't think that he should have come back into F um i think that him competing in the indy 500 was really cool um competing in le mans was really cool i think that i I don't i don't know i i'm not feeling fernando alonso's comeback into f1 i feel like it was a lot of alpine getting really disappointed because daniel ricardo left to mclaren and they needed a plan b so they called up fernando alonso and he decided to come back out of retirement That being said, I am willing to have my mind changed. I am once again, not going to deny the fact that he won two world championships, uh, when Michael Schumacher was still on the grid. Um, but I'm, I'm not feeling it right now. Uh, the, the way that he's raced for the last few years, um, whether it be in F1 this year with Alpine, it hasn't been stellar, um. And his years where he was outside of Ferrari uh, with McLaren, I mean, yes, it was a really, really bad car, but that's besides the point. He, it's, I feel like he's lost something and that's why I'm putting Alonso at number 19.
1: So, so I have Alonso in, in this area a bit higher up. We're going to get to that later, but I do see what you're saying. Um, I went a little different direction with my number 19 pick. Okay. And the reason why I put Max Verstappen as my number 19 whoa! driver on the group is because he is so good that I don't like it. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? <laughs> it is unfair how good Max Verstappen is like like I said in our race review podcast of the Portuguese Grand Prix, the way he's able to find slipstreams, the way he's able to take advantage of toes, the way he is able to drive that Red Bull is unreal. Now, I'm going to add another dimension to this. He is in this Red Bull environment that doesn't have the best reputation for being, let's say, the friendliest of environments in the paddock. And because they they gained and so they gained this reputation because max verstappen is you know non not arguably this is not a really a big debate is you know the apple of christian horner's eye everything about that red bull car surrounds max verstappen and that is unfair for the likes of pierre gasly that is unfair for the likes of alex albon and that is unfair for the likes of sergio perez And because that toxic environment is created as a result of Max Verstappen's prowess, it makes me really not a fan of what's going on at the second garage on the paddock. It's making me not a fan so much of, you know, the Verstappen culture and it is all because he's so good that it just creates such a interesting tension at the Austrian drink racing team.
0: I am so shocked right now. I, for those who are just listening, I have had my mouth open in shock since the second he said Max Verstappen at number 19. Okay. I understand where you're coming from, but we're talking about race skill here, right? I think that he
1: should be rewarded a little bit more because of that. Um, so yes, we are talking about race skill, but I also like to include a bit of culture, Yeah, a bit I of mean, what mm. I've seen behind the scenes. I watch a lot of like, you know, McLaren all access. I watch, you know, the AlphaTauri's all access version they have on YouTube. I, you know, I've watched Drive, Drive to Survive, I think three times, two or three, two times, I believe I watched season, uh, season two. Um, and, I, I, and just reading a lot about what, what goes on that Red Bull Garage has me shooketh. Has me, has me, has, it has me shooketh. Mm-hmm. It has shooketh. So yes, if we're, if we're doing this list purely off racing skill, given his age, I'd put him at number one. But I'm also taking into account the culture that surrounds, you know, the the energy drink company that decided to put a racing team on the track. I
0: I agree with you, though, in the fact that Max Verstappen is a teammate killer, just on the fact that his entire, uh, well, the entire Red Bull garage is based off his car. Um, That being said, you want to talk about teammate killers? Fernando Alonso has killed a few teammates. Uh, he he ruined Stoffel Van Dorn's career and he left it. also exactly and he left so alright I'm going to get into my Max Verstappen comments later because shocker I don't have him around this area but I want to see what you have at number 18
1: alright so I'm actually going to do 18 and, not, and, and 17 at the same time because they're both in the same team okay um, The two Alfa Romeo boys, I have Giovinazzi at 18 because, and Giovinazzi at 18 and Kimi at 18, because I think they're the next two to leave F1. You think is gonna leave F1 too? I think Giovinazzi is going to leave F1 if he does not put on a show this year. If he does not have some, I don't wanna say consistent points finishes, but, let's just say every third race, a points finish, I don't think he's going to be um, given another chance for next year because when you look at this Ferrari structure that they have going on right now. And their driver academy. Exactly. You have Robert Schwartzman and Callum Eilat who are creeping in. We saw Callum Eilat be a reserve driver this past weekend. They're gr- amazing talents that deserve a seed in F1. They're nipping at his heels. And then you have this, un- almost right now at least, unreachable goal of driving for Ferrari. You know, Carlos Sainz, I believe is a two year contract and Charles Leclerc has the longest contract in the history of Ferrari. And for that reason, I just don't see a longer path for Antonio Giovanazzi, unfortunately. I don't think that he's gonna put up yeah. respectable enough numbers uh, for Mattia Bonato to be like, this guy has a chance to continue in F1 through our driver academy. For that reason, I put Giovinazzi at 18 and then for the same reason, but I, at the same time for a different reason, he's old. I, put, <laughs> I put, I put, I put Kimi at 17 because it's time to, uh, you know, in hockey, we used to hang up the skates. I guess it's time to put a steering wheel away. Um, <laughs> he's the most experienced driver on the grid. He's had his world championship. He has all the respect in the world from the Formula One community.
0: It's also more of a hobby to him.
1: <laughs> it's more of a hobby to him, and that's why I think he's next to leave the 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 F one grid. And that's why I put Kimi and Giovinazzi in seventeen and eighteen, respectively.
0: Okay, you know what? I respect those decisions. One one other thing that I could say on Giovinazzi for that point is that he is attached to the Sauber Driving A- Driver Academy, and they're basically paying for his drive. Um, I think that they could benefit also financially from having another driver in. Um, I think Kim Urikanen has driven some great races. Uh, however, I agree with you. It's time, to ha- it's time for him to hang it up. Uh, since you're doing... 17 and 18 i'm going to do 17 and 18 at at the same time if if that is okay with you jordan so yeah um, yeah. number 18 i have esteban ocon of uh of alpine so i put my you put the two alpha people in the in the bottom i am putting my uh sorry you you put the Alpha romeo people in the bottom i put the alpine people near the bottom um I don't understand how Esteban Ocon managed to come back from not racing for a year. Um, I'm, ex- I'm extremely shocked because he didn't do anything that really surprised me in racing point slash force India in his years that he was there um, as well. He's a Mercedes junior. And I feel like apparently that's just the kiss of death for anyone's career. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling Esteban Ocon. Um, and number 17, I have Valtteri Bottas. Uh, and I have Valtteri Bottas at 17 because he clearly cannot do enough with the most competitive car over the last almost 10 years. Um, to be his teammate at all and I'm not and I'm I'm saying that not only recognizing that Lewis Hamilton is one of if not the best drivers of all time but also because there has to be some point where statistically It is impossible to be this mediocre in such competitive cars than accidentally be good more than when he actually is. To be fair, he's fighting for podiums as he should in a Mercedes, but I feel like he could do much more than that.
1: So this is a very interesting take. And why I say this is because I actually have Valtteri a bit higher than you do. Um... At the 16th slot, I put somebody that you already have. I put Fernando Alonso. Okay. So I was uh, watching an interview about two weeks ago. They were interviewing him at Bahrain and they asked him, you know, you had your crazy accident. What was still the motivation behind you continuing this F1 journey? You did, you did your IndyCar, you had this big accident before the season. You know, they didn't know if he was gonna be healthy enough to to drive, really, for the first race at least, um, and for for testing. But he still had this motivation to come back and drive. And he and, and they asked him, "Why do you want to come drive?" And his answer was because of the twenty twenty two, which were supposed to be in twenty twenty one, regulation change. And for some reason, I I'm I'm not so sold on Fernando Alonso's drive in coming back. I don't think that a regulation change is the main motivator for a return to F1. It's not like he said, I have some unfinished business with Renault. You know, I, I got my championships. I'm ready to do it with Alpine. I'm ready to show that this engine has something in it. I'm ready to show this car has pace. You know, in the years before Danny Rick got there, you know, it went up to third in the constructors. Uh, I'm third or fourth. I'm not exactly sure, fourth. but it went fourth. I, it was up there, you know, so he, 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 it, it, it's, it's that plus on the grid this season. I'm not seeing that oomph in the, at least the first two races, maybe a bit more in Portugal, but I'm not seeing that oomph from Fernando Alonso, especially in the qualifying sessions that I'm used to seeing. And for that reason, that's why I put Alonso at 16. uh um, Interesting. No, sorry. What were you going to say? No, I was going to move on to number fifteen, but but I'm I'm waiting to hear your response.
0: So no, no, no. I I agree with you on that. Um, it was it was a very respectable choice. Uh, that's all that I have to say. And and I agree with you. I think that the the his comment on a regulation change definitely should not be the main driver of your return to F1 at forty something years old. So that's that's what I got
1: to say. Yeah, look, it's not to to knock on his views or, or 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 the way he thinks. It's just that because that's his motivation, I don't see that translating to optimal performance on the racetrack, and that's simply why I put Alonso at sixteen. Um, and yeah, Jonah, let's move on to number fifteen. We're getting higher up the what? grid. Well, We're I getting need out to do
0: three. I need to do my 16 first. Uh, right,
1: you're 16, sorry. Yeah, my you put, who'd you put at 16?
0: Uh, I'm I feel so bad for doing this. Honestly, everything between 16 and 4 could be interchangeable in my in my <laughs> rankings. But number 16, I have Nicholas Latifi and Williams. And I think that. He just in, in his junior career, he has no, he had no championships to his name um, in any point of his junior career. The closest that he came was being runner up in F2. Um, the runner up in F2 last year currently has a reserve spot and number three in, in F2 has a drive for Alpha Um But they, they showed they showed their major talent in their junior careers before that. Nicholas Latifi, on the other hand, his best finish in a, in a championship was second. And I, I think that his year last year showed that maybe picking him wasn't the best idea yet. If you let him in F2 for one more year, he probably could have won. Uh, just because he had more experience um, w- in that car. However, I, I think that Williams were really cap-strapped, and the money that uh, Nicholas Latifi brings definitely helped them stay afloat. Um, I don't think, though, that his racing in his previous career, uh, junior career, and his current F1 career, um, are enough that the money that he brings justifies um, bringing him in too early, and this is probably going to be extremely hypocritical for the, another person that I
1: have on this list. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I know what you're you're referencing. I actually put Latifi a little bit higher, um, be, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say say why later on. But to touch your point. There's a lot of controversy in F1 about pay drivers. It is a massive controversy. And if you guys would like us to cover it more in depth, I'd gladly do that because it's actually one of my favorite topics to talk about um, because of the controversy around it. So just to echo your point, when we're talking about him getting the drive last year in 2020, I actually really wanted them to keep the drive keep the seat for Robert Kubica and why I say that is because Claire Williams was on the record when she's saying that she originally gave the seat to Robert because she really wanted to understand what was fundamentally wrong with the car they had a horrendous season with Sergei Sorotkin and Lance Stroll and she wanted to know what was wrong with the car and there was nobody better to do that than the experienced driver that Robert Kubica is and in that season with George Russell and Robert as their lineup They didn't make crazy amounts of progress. So I didn't see a reason why they shouldn't have kept the drive for Robert. He also brought in sponsorship money. Orlin, the sponsor Orlin followed him as a reserve driver to Alfa Romeo. Maybe not as much as Nicholas Latifi did, but he still had some money attached to him. Um, So look, that being said, I understand why you have him there. I'll, I'll, I'll add my little snippet as to why I have him a little higher on the grid uh in my in my uh, in my pick but very interesting pick
0: who's who's your number 15
1: so i have a very controversial one at 15.
0: Oh. You were you were
1: excuse you were, me you were... want to
0: talk about controversial you just put max verstappen as number so, 19. so yeah i
1: was gonna say you had your jaw dropped at max verstappen at 19 i have daniel ricardo at 15.
0: you know what i am not as shocked <laughs>
1: I think Daniel Ricciardo has bounced around way too much. And for that reason, I think it, it has impacted his driving ability. I think, you know, he wanted a change when leaving Red Bull, went to Renault, didn't get what he expected in the two short years that he was there, was very upset and not upset, but dissatisfied after one year, he, he signed on the dotted line after one year of being with Renault. Not, not having achieved the podium. Um, and then went to McLaren, who knows if that was the right move, only time will tell, but just the fact that he was willing to jump ship a year after his, like a year into his stint with Renault to McLaren, because they had the one year that was better. I think that that in itself impacted his, his, his not only his, his motivation, but his, his driving sense in a certain way, because when you dr- jump from team to team, they were talking about it this weekend in the pre-race uh, with uh, Will Buxton, you have to unlearn and relearn so many new things because every team steering wheel has so many different uh, buttons, so many different aspects of the car that you have to relearn every single time you join a new team. And so because he's relearning and learning all these new things, it's really impacting the way he drives the car. And that's why I put him at 15, because if he continues to, to to jump and go to a different team or or who knows, I think that just that's just gonna, you know, he had an impressive drive today, but I think that in the long run that doesn't do him any favors. Um
0: interesting choice. I disagree, but I will explain why I disagree later. Um I, I, I understand where you're coming from, though, where he's jumped ship a lot um, and his McLaren move hasn't been too rewarding yet. But I'm intrigued to see how the rest of this season goes. Um, with that being and, said... And I do
1: want to say, just to add to this uh, part of Daniel Ricciardo on my end, in terms of um, character and personality, I, don't, I know we're not supposed to talk about this just in general... But I love his sense of humor. I think he's one of the funniest guys on the paddock. I love just watching interviews with him. I love watching, you know, any all access, you know, scenes of McLaren. I get to see. I love it. I love seeing him in Netflix. I love it. I think it's hilarious. And I just, I love the energy he brings to F1.
0: Yeah, he's he's a great guy. Yeah, <laughs> let's yeah, let's fantastic. Not that. Um, okay, so number fifteen, I have Antonio Giovinazzi. Um, you talked a lot. You talked about him earlier. Um, I'm not going to say a lot more just that he doesn't wow me. Um, I don't think he's put enough good drives in, in that Alfa Romeo, especially where now the Alfa Romeo could genuinely fight for points uh, on a mostly regular basis. Um, Even when the Alfa Romeo car wasn't that good. I feel like he, he didn't do a lot to wow me in the opportunities that he had. Um, except for maybe in Turkey where he qualified P nine, uh, otherwise it, he, he doesn't wow me as a driver. Um, so, so that's why I have Joe at number 15.
1: So, um, like, like I mentioned, I have him all uh, earlier in, in, in my grid. Here's where I put Nicholas Latifi. I put him, I think two Slots higher than you did solely for the fact that he's Canadian. Uh, I'm not going to hide it. Uh, I, I, I like to support the Canadian drivers. So this is I number also, 14, right? This is number 14, kay. essentially. I like to support the Canadian drivers. I also am a really big fan of the Williams team in general. Um, I think the Williams team is a historic team on the, on the grid. Um, I love the fact that they named their cars the FW for Frank Williams. Um, there is just a, a sense of, 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 of class when you think of the Williams name. And I love hearing it. Um, I put Nicholas Latifi here because like I said, I, I, I spoke about well before about Robert Kubica and how I think that he should have kept the seat to fundamentally, um, to help find fundamentally what was wrong with the car. But I also put him here because I also think he's, you know he might be soon to leave F1. Jonah and I have spoken about this before this podcast was even an idea of how Williams has, you know, a great uh, system in that they have two really good reserve drivers right now in Jamie Chadwick and Roy Nissany. And for whoever knows me, knows this about me. No, Jonah definitely knows this about me. I'm a big fan of Roy Nissany. He's not accomplished much. However, he can be competitive enough. one showed by his laps he does in the Williams car during those tests, he brings a lot of sponsorship money uh, with Sylvan Adams backing him. I think he could be a replacement to uh, to Nicholas Latifi if Nicholas Latifi does not put up the numbers yeah. that justify the money he brings.
0: Uh, I think that I I agree with you on that. I think that it will also be impressive to see an Israeli driver in F1 because I think the last person to do that was his father. Uh Not 100% certain, but yeah. So you have Nicholas Latifi at number 14. Um, I'm going to do 14 and 13, one after the other, because it'll make sense. You'll, You'll understand why. Number 14, I have Yuki Tsunoda. And I am not saying this because I don't like Yuki Tsunoda. I saw him race last year near the end of the season in F2 and he drove like a man on a mission. Uh, I I, I knew that Yuki Tsunoda was the real deal when Helmut Marko and Christian Horner actually stayed for F2 races. And that doesn't happen too often. Um, That being said, I think that he has room to improve and that's why he's this low. Um, we're still we're at number 14 so I think that he's definitely an up-and-comer however I think that right now where he stands um, uh, he I mean he did well in Bahrain but I think that there's still room to improve for him in f1 Uh and that's why I have him at number 14. Number 13 uh is someone that beat Tsunoda in f2 I have Nick Schumacher um, Nick Schumacher I think he's going to take more time than Sonoda however I think that in terms of talent Mick Schumacher is better than Sonoda um, I just the way that he manages to push the most out of that car compared to his teammate where at the end of Portugal uh, Nicky the Mazepin was a minute down from Mick Schumacher and they have equal machinery and they're both awful cars he manages to do a lot with what he's given however it's uh, throughout the different series that he's participated in he's taken a lot of time uh, to develop and take his talents to the next level um, in that series and that is why I think that he has more potential that's why I have him at number 13
1: so I'm very happy that you brought up these two drivers because coincidentally, I have them in the same order at 13 and 12, which is what's coming up. Okay. Now let Who's me touch 14? on- 14? Wait, yeah, no, Oh yeah, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Right. So let me touch on Yuki Tsunoda. Yuki Tsunoda is a monster. And I mean that in a good way because he's an excellent driver However, I also think that there are its negatives. We saw in, you know, the opening lap of qualifying his preparation lap that he, you know, went a little bit too aggressive, hit the back of his car and he didn't show up for qualifying that day. We saw the day later in Amola that when there was the restart, he skidded and spun and that really ruined his race. And I mentioned those two moments because Yuki Tsunoda has a lot of aggression when he drives. He drives, like you said, like a man on a mission. He is He hungry. also
0: swears like a man on a mission. But <laughs> yes,
1: we spoke about that uh, in our <laughs> private conversations. But he is a hungry Japanese driver. He is so hungry. And I can't wait to see him in a couple of years time. When he has developed You know, that sort of critical thinking of when to be that aggressive Yuki that we love to see and a little bit more reserved, which allows him to make less mistakes. And so that aggression you know, is to his detriment because it leaves more room for error. And that's why I put him at number 13. He is the real deal and he is full of skill. He just needs to know when to harness the skill and he needs to know the appropriate times to use the full force of his skill. Now, Mick Schumacher, I put him at number 12, and I'm excited to hear your 13 and 12 as well, but I'm just gonna touch on Mick Schumacher. 13
0: is Schumacher.
1: Right, but I'm excited to hear your 12. Um, But we just spoke about Schumacher, and I like Schumacher. A, he has the Schumacher name, you know, I like his number, how, you know, how he interpreted it as 47 for Michael, which I think is great. Uh, I really hope Michael is getting all the rest he needs and he's, you know, getting healthy. And, and I wish his family all, all, all the best. In terms of racing skill, I watch those F2 highlights. Mick Schumacher is, he has a touch of his father in him. And it's beautiful to see. It's beautiful to see what this man could do once he fully understands a Formula One car. The reason why I put him uh, down in this list is cause you know, last year we heard rumors of Alfa Romeo. You know, he could have done another year in F2 to really develop and maybe go into a better has car.
0: Uh, Schu- Schu- Schumacher wasn't allowed to go back into F2 because he won.
1: So scratch that. <laughs> this is I have to knowledge. I apologize, but the point is that he has lots of skill, and the reason why I put him down here is because you know compared to the drivers, it's not as developed yet. But he does have a bright future ahead of him, and I'm excited to see it.
0: Uh, okay,
1: twelve. You're not. You're not going to enjoy
0: this. Personally, I feel bad doing this, but I'm going to stick by my word. Number 12 is Lando Norris. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I know you, you, you're probably going to get slightly mad at me, but here's why. Um, the man has proved his worth. However, I feel like he, I feel like there, there's some sort of consistency that's missing from him at some points. Um, that doesn't mean that i don't like him uh i think that he has definitely shown his worth this season by being third in the constructors uh sorry third in the drivers championship um, so far so far however i feel like there's there's something in him where if something goes wrong he will not be happy about it and it'll screw up his entire race rather than keeping his head down and pushing through um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of, uh, I mean, I like Landon Norris, but I think that he's this low on the list also because he's taken advantage of a great card that was given to him since he was in his rookie season. And if he works harder to just keep that, that focus in focus for, In the case that anything bad happens, he could definitely be higher up on this list. But that is why I have
1: Lando Norris
0: at 12.
1: So I'm going to touch on Lando Norris later because I have him higher up. Not so higher up, but I have him higher up. I love Lando. I think Lando's a fantastic guy. I watch his Twitch streams, you know, from time to time. Not all the time, from time to time. I think he's a great guy. Um, And I, I think Lando's a great personality to have on the F1 grid. So,
0: yeah. Personality-wise,
1: look. In terms of driving ability, I don't think he should be this low. I really don't. I think that, yes, he is was basically born into F1 with a car, that was able to put some good performances on. I do think, though, in terms of driving skill, which is kind of why I put him compared. Like I, I kind of put him near George Russell, actually, because, you know. We can talk about, you know, the car and their actual performance, but we kind of, we kind of really have to focus on their performance relative to the car. Correct. Um, And so I put Lando a little higher up because I think that in terms of pure driving skill, he's the real deal.
0: Yeah. Okay. I respect your decision.
1: (laughs) I'm going to go into more detail then. Who's your number twelve? I'm going to, well, I spoke about Mick Schumacher in number 12, and I'm going to- Oh, sorry, 11.
0: Eight.
1: And I'm going to preface this by saying that no one will like my number 11, and no one will uh, really understand fully because I only understand it, number 11. I put the seven-time world champion- I knew it! <laughs> Lewis Hamilton, the other Brit on the F1 paddock, in number eleven. And I think Lewis Hamilton is the greatest of all time. I think Lewis Hamilton deserves to be the winningest F1 driver. Is that a word? Winningest? Yeah, the, winningest the, is a
0: word. Don't worry. <laughs> the
1: winningest F1 driver in history with 97 wins and 99 pole positions.
0: As of the recording he is of great. this video.
1: <laughs> As of the recording of this, of this podcast, he is fantastic. I just think it's time to change it up a bit. And that's the reason why he's at number 11 is because it's a, it's a, we, there's more potential on the grid than Lewis Hamilton because how many years does Lewis Hamilton have left in him? Let's say, for example, he wins his eighth this year. Do we think Lewis Hamilton's gonna re-sign for another year or is he gonna say, I've done all I've wanted to do. It's time for me to skedaddle and enjoy my retirement. You know, maybe go on Sky News like Nico Rosberg and take a <laughs> um, But uh, Sky Sports, I mean. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's why I have Lewis there. Um,
0: interesting.
1: <laughs> and and I, I agree. It's a little early for us to be talking about Lewis, so we could dive into that more later.
0: I I look. I I understand where you're coming from. That doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that I agree with you. Um, look, I don't know how many years Lewis Hamilton has left either. Um, that being said, uh, we're recording this after our race review of Portimao and he smashed it and he completely left his teammate in his wake, uh, and showed that he really is a man on a mission, a man in a league of his own. And There is no year that he has shown it more probably this year and like 2008 uh, where he showed that he could really push it when he needs to. Um, Also, maybe in 2016, but he ended up losing. Anyways, um, number 11, I have Carlos Sainz. I think that Carlos Sainz is a great driver and that he has managed to push the most out of the equipment that has been given to him since the beginning of his career. He started off in Toro Rosso, which is now AlphaTauri, and then he moved to Renault, and then he moved to McLaren, and then he moved to Ferrari, and he has shown that he deserves to stay in F1 regardless of the fact that he's bouncing around uh, different teams because he's had success relative to the car that's been given to him uh, at all of the teams that he's been in. Um, and I think that him and Ferrari is hopefully going to work out. I think that he's going to get another podium this year. Um, and I would, I, I put him above Norris because he has had more opportunity to show his strength in different cars that have been given to him. So that's why I have Carlos signs at number 11.
1: I'm going to add on to that because I have Carlos Sainz at 10. Okay. So we have him in the same ballpark. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of who Carlos Sainz is, is kind of the same as Daniel Ricardo, And the reason why I put him higher than Daniel Ricardo, much higher, is because he's younger. And I see that fire in him and he is someone that really, when he can be locked in, can have a great outing. And, you know, I touched on it with Daniel Ricciardo. I spoke about how, when you leave from team to team, you have to learn and relearn many new things. I do think that has unfortunately impacted Carlos Sainz, especially, you know, with his move to Ferrari. Um, I think his move to Ferrari was a bit premature. I think he could have really stayed longer than McLaren. After last year,
0: after last year's Ferrari, we said it was premature, but Ferrari has been doing pretty well also this year.
1: Look, they have been doing very well. Um, but for the same reason, I think that, um, his, you know, he has a lot to learn a lot to relearn, but he's a lot younger. Um, his brain is still mushy. You know, we say kids when they're, when they're younger, they learn more. They, their brain are like, their brains are like sponges. They absorb more. Um, so that's why I put Carlos signs there. Um, I think he has a lot of potential. If he stays a while with Ferrari, I could see them really moving up in the constructors together. I could see him being a top five finisher in the, in the driver's championship down the road. I think he has a lot of potential, but for the same reason, I put Daniel Ricciardo. You know, outside the points, I'm going to give um, Carlos Sainz one point.
0: Um, good, good. I, 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 I'm happy that we're in the same ballpark here. I feel like the next picks are probably going to be a little bit different. Um, but that being said, I'm going to go through ten and nine so that you go through nine after. Um, number ten, I have Pierre Gasly. Um, yeah. Didn't see that coming, did you? Uh,
1: <laughs> I did not. I really did not. And I'm, I'm very surprised. I'm actually very surprised.
0: I'm, I'm curious to see why you're surprised before I give my opinion.
1: <laughs> um, look, I, I'll, I'll give a nice preview. I have Gasly a lot higher up. Okay.
0: All right. That makes sense. Um, but Pierre Gasly, um, he has really shown that he could, when, when the car is suited to him, that he can push the limits of that car because Toro Rosso, AlphaTauri, whatever you want to call them, has been in the lower midfield since they started. And you had Pierre Gasly manage to win in a car that had no right to be on the top step of the podium, let alone a podium in most cases to begin with. The last time that Pierre Gasly got a podium before that, was with Toro Rosso, which is now the current version of AlphaTauri in Brazil 2019 because he managed to push the limits of that car. So, I think, I'm not going to go as far as say that Alpha Tauri is 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 geared towards Gasly like Red Bull is pushed towards Max, but I feel like Pierre has really worked hard in, um, Getting, getting that card to where it is and showing that he's uh, won a race and that he has the talent to win more races. Uh, oh yeah, and number nine. Number nine, I have Kimi Raikkonen. Um, very weird pick, I know. But I have Raikkonen at number nine because he has shown throughout his years that regardless of the machinery that he's given, he can make it work. Um, when you talk about how many teams has he driven for? He's driven for going backwards in time Alfa Romeo, currently Ferrari, Lotus, Ferrari before that, um, McLaren, and I think there was a team before that, it might be Sauber, not sure, but anyways, he's driven through, um, even when coming into F1, his credentials were put into question and he put those to bed from the beginning. Uh, I think that Kimi Raikkonen, even at this age, has shown that he can push, especially with the example of, of Portugal last year, 2020, where he managed to make up 10 places in one lap. Um, but yeah, I and especially fighting in 2007 for the most competitive championship that I could probably remember of recent memory. Um, I, I, th- that's why I have King Raikkonen at number nine.
1: So it's, it's funny cause I've Raikkonen, as you know, a lot <laughs> lower, um, in, uh, our version of the driver's championship. Um, Interesting pick to put Raikkonen so high given his age. Yes, he has the history, but given his age, given the seat that he currently has, given the people that are you know waiting for that seat that maybe deserve it more, nobody deserves it more necessarily. But you know that it would it would it would it would serve F one as a whole and Alpha and the dry drive, Ferrari Driver Academy and Alfa Romeo as a whole better to have. So interesting pick. Um, I slotted Lando at number nine. Okay. You know, you put, yeah, so you put Lando, I think, two spots earlier. Um, I didn't put Lando number nine because I think he's necessarily, you know, not that, you know, that great. I actually put, I think Lando is the real deal. I just think the eight people above him are better. Um, I just think the eight people above him have more skill um, and, you know, generally are more exciting to watch, at least for me today. And in the past three weeks when I was watching um, the race, um, I just generally you know, was more excited to see the other drivers. So not a knock on Lando. Like I said before, I love watching his Twitch stream. I love watching Quadrant F1 YouTube channel with him featured on it. I think he's a great F1 personality. I really hope he stays in F1 for a really long time. And um, he does have a lot of skill. He does have a lot of skill, but like I said, same reason uh, I put Mick Schumacher where he is. He still has a long way to go to harness that skill to be the you know potential champion, to be the potential top three champion finisher that he deserves to be.
0: Um, that's a very, very respectable choice. Um, I, I understand where you're coming from on, on that. Um, but I think for those same reasons, I have him at uh number 12 uh jordan are you still there jordan we welcome to uh recording during a pandemic hopefully jordan is here jordan you back
1: yeah i'm here just uh the camera's not working we'll welcome, carry on. welcome
0: to we go. Uh, welcome to recording during a pandemic everybody
1: sorry uh, about that
0: it's it's okay life's good Um, number eight, I have Sebastian Vettel. Uh, I have Sebastian Vettel because four world championships can't like, that's crazy. Four world championships is something that you really cannot grasp because you've managed to fight so hard for four world championships. Um, and that was when Red Bull was really at its peak when he moved to Ferrari um, forget about the Spinola memes in 2020, but uh, in 2018 and 2019, he showed that he could win races not just in Red Bull, but in the in a Ferrari as well, um, and showed that he does not need just a Red Bull to be successful. That he could do it in other cars. Um, sure, his Aston Martin venture has not been great to start with, but I am hoping that that changes with him. So, for you, Jordan, what is number eight?
1: Well, I really like that we are very on the same page for a lot of these guys because I have Seb a number eight as well. Okay, I have a number eight because, well for the same reason I have Lewis at number 11. I have Seb at number eight because, yeah, he signed a long-term contract with Aston Martin, but who knows what can happen? Seb is not getting any younger and the more he continues to not be in a competitive car, the less motivated he's gonna be. He is the driver that won four championships and arguably has the most winning motivation. I mean, they all have winning motivations but seb just has this fire that is so unique inside of him to win to be number 1 it's undoubtable and it's fantastic to see but unfortunately as the seasons go by and as seb becomes lower in the sta- gets you know starts to be lower in the standings as the seasons go by he's not going to have that oomph anymore He's not going to have that desire to be in an F1 car. And who knows how many years of Seb we have left. He can easily pull an Alonso where he's given a terrible car like a McLaren. And because of of that reason, he decides to leave because he doesn't see a point in it anymore. And that's why I have Seb at number eight. Um, He has a lot of skill. I just don't know how much skill is left in the tank. That's
0: that's what I'm scared about, too, about Vettel is... How many years, how many years does he have left? I mean, hopefully that they're good years with Aston Martin because we like that team very much. And (laughs) um, with that being said, though, what is your number seven? We're getting, we're getting towards the end here.
1: So, yeah. And so as we get towards the end, you know, the listeners and viewers are in their head being like, who didn't they mention yet? Who didn't Jordan mention yet? Who didn't Jordan mention yet? And I don't think this is somebody that, uh, I think this is someone that people want us, that the listeners want us to mention later on in in, in, in our list, maybe in the top five, but I put Sergio Perez at number seven.
0: Ooh,
1: okay. Yeah. Like Lando Norris, the only reason I put Sergio Perez at number seven is not because he's necessarily a bad driver. We saw today with his tire management skills. I've spoken so highly about his sake Grand Prix triumph that I can re-watch over and over again. But I think that these six people above him are just so much better. And I think that these six people above him have a great story to them. I think the culture around these six other people are great. Not to say that it's bad around Sergio. Sergio has come from Mexico. He has a great story to tell. And I love hearing his perseverance. I love hearing about his dedication to the sport to be the driver to run the most races and not win. To me, that's remarkable. That's why I have him in the top 10. And that's why he's a number seven.
0: Uh, I'm going to counterpoint you on that when I end up talking about Sergio Perez, but I'm not going to talk about him now. At number seven, I am going to talk about George Russell. Um, I think that this is where Russell belongs because especially last year, I don't know how he managed to push that Williams, let alone out of last place, but into Q2 in qualifying. Um, we all know that that was a bad car. It was a very bad car last year. And they managed to push that, that car. Well, George Russell managed to push that car consistently punching above its weight. And you cannot deny there is major talent there. I'm going to go back to the secure Grand Prix. You talked about Sergio Perez winning. I'm going to talk about George Russell's sheer heartbreak that he experienced um, by qualifying P2, by having a mixed tire set, uh, by clawing back all the way up to P2, and then having to pit because of a puncture. But when you give him good cars, he could show that the results are there and he's shown the results at Williams. He's shown the result in his very limited sample size at Mercedes. And I think that he's rumored to get the Mercedes seat. Let's not lie here. If he gets that Mercedes seat, he is going to be so good.
1: I love that you brought up Mr. Saturday. I have him at number six. Okay. What's so, so, so we're, we're going part. here. We're good. We're good. Um, look, Mr. Saturday. They call—they don't call him that uh, because it's fun. They call him that because it's true. Um, he is on another level. I have not seen somebody—maybe actually somebody who I'll talk about further up the list—will resemble this trait. But I have not seen somebody able to push a car the way George Russell pushes his car. I don't know where he gets it from. Maybe he is something he drinks in the morning. He, you know, his Saturday breakfast must be fantastic. But he is on another level. We see this man drive this car on circuits where the car should not be where it is. And it's in Q2. It is remarkable to see. Um, you touched on the fact that he might get the Mercedes seed next year. And I love this debate because, you know, from a small sample size at Mercedes, we've seen, you know, what that extra confidence boost can do to George Russell. The second he has that, you know, pa- you know, tap on the shoulder from Toto wolf saying you got this. George Russell's another human being. I agree. You know, And we saw last year the Secure Grumpy, I wanna touch on the numerous times he was in P10, P11, P12, Mugello, Mola, you know, he's just able to take this car that Claire Williams has said multiple times there's something fundamentally wrong with the car and is able to make it somewhat competitive. And I'm gonna leave it at that because I don't think any other driver on the grid could do that.
0: Okay, so at number six, I have Daniel Ricciardo, um, because he showed in a Red Bull that he could win races and win the craziest races, um, regardless of the situation that happens. Daniel Ricciardo will always make and will always find an opportunity to push through and um, I think that regardless of the car that he's in, uh, he has maximized it. Notably with Renault, where he managed to score a podium in a car that, once again, probably shouldn't be on the podium. Um, but yeah, that's that's why I think uh, Daniel Ricardo is at number six. You touched you touched a lot about his personality. I think that he's a great guy. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's where I have Daniel Ricardo number six. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I love how we are starting to have drivers that I ranked, you know, outside the top ten showing up in your top ten, <laughs> and you know, showing up ten places above where I put them, which is very interesting uh, to see. Um, and yeah, I explain why I have Daniel Ricciardo so low. I, I I don't think that he has that Red Bull fire. I don't think that he has that. That Red Bull uh, potential that 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 he I don't think he has what he had at Red Bull, essentially because that was a fundamentally different car than what he had to learn about once and learn about his you know at his at his time in his time with McLaren. So I don't think it's translatable um, his his time at Red Bull to his other uh, drives. I disagree, and, and that's like that. why I have
0: him at number six. <laughs>
1: Great. Well, I'm glad that we can also have some moments where we disagree and and, uh, and also agree. But now we're going to have another moment where we disagree because you've already mentioned Valtteri Botas a while ago.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, very, very long time ago.
1: <laughs> yeah. And now I'm going to mention him. We're going to talk about him again because I think that Valtteri Botas has the potential to be somebody that we've never seen before.
0: I I so disagree with you, but anyways.
1: (laughs) And There is this key, and this key is called confidence. If you give Valtteri Bottas this key, he can do anything he wants. Now, we saw today at the Portuguese Grand Prix, him being in pole, you know, dominating the first couple of laps and you know, choking as you like to say, um, the pole position and eventually getting uh, knocked down to P three. We spoke about in the Portimao race review that he was very he, he, was gonna, he it's it's nice to see him being selfish. He said he was going to be selfish to win this world championship. I think that he's being selfish for the wrong reasons. And I shouldn't say the wrong reason, actually, the unfortunate reason that Toto Wolf heavily favors the British side of the garage. Hmm. And because, you know, Valtteri, somebody who's very emotional, especially when he drives, he sees what's going on, he's not blind to it, and is affected by it. And he's not affected by it, you know, out in the outside, he's affected by it in the inside. And it it really reflects in his driving. Um, I think that he's a great driver. I think that he would be, you know, in the top three for me had he not let it reflect in his driving the emotional side of the sport and the emotional side of the way Mercedes likes to handle their internal affairs.
0: That's a a very interesting decision. And I
1: think that
0: because he's being selfish, because all of that, it's going to hurt him. And that's why I had him so low. Uh, I think that it's just going to be a downward spiral for him I I'm sorry I'm I I'm just not a huge fan of of, of Valtteri Bottas because of that
1: look I think if he picks up that confidence you know with a couple of other pole positions maybe with you know a substantial lead in a race that he holds on to I think we can unlock a Valtteri that can secure that seat for next year I'll I think we I'll could... be
0: very intrigued to see that
1: <laughs> and i really hope he does because i do think that he has a lot of skill i do think that he can show you know how great of a driver he is he just needs to go back to that valtery that was poised that was cool that was calm that was collected and i didn't let the outside noise affect him because i think that's his biggest enemy
0: uh i'm We have very different opinions on that. So you have Valtteri at number five. I have Sean Leclerc at number five. Um, I'm going to highlight specifically what happened to him last year, where that car was so bad. (laughs) And I mean, for Ferrari standards, and he managed to push that car to where it definitely should not have been. That is for the same reason that I have George Russell this high. That is why I also have Charles Leclerc that high. He has proven that he can win races in normal circumstances, that he can get pulls in normal circumstances. Um, And I think that there is a bright future for him if Ferrari gets their car to a championship level. Um, I don't have a lot to say past that because his talent is there. He's proven it through bad cars and good cars with the same team, and that's why I have him at number five.
1: Let's talk about Charles Leclerc because I have Is the at number Vest, four. Also, I have him at number four. Actually. Okay. <laughs> um, and I put him at number four, not because of what he's shown this season so far, but what he's shown in 2020 and what he showed in 2018. The Ferrari car in 2019, we knew it was going to get some wins. And he showed it at the two most exciting tracks on the calendar, arguably in Formula One. Um, but in 2018, he drove for Sauber at the time. And like last year, like you said, put that car in places it shouldn't have been. It put a back of the pack team, you know, sometimes in the points and in Singapore, awesome finish. You know, it's, it's, it's unheard of what happened in Sauber in 2018. And Charles Leclerc's talents speak for it. It speaks for itself. And I'm going to leave it at that because he is such a fantastic driver and he is pure skill and talent.
0: Um, with that being said, you have Sean Leclerc at number four. I am... I don't know, I, I forget where you put him, but at number four, I have seven-time world champion, mo- winningest F1 driver, most pole positions, <laughs> Lewis Hamilton at number four, because I don't know what else to say. The guy is probably the best driver of all time. Uh, in, I go back to the years at McLaren, where he had a very bad car Um, after he won his championship, he managed to win races in every single season. On top of that, um, when he got to Mercedes, he smashed it against probably the most competitive teammate rivalry uh, in this century, probably rivaling, rivaling the most competitive teammate rivalry in history, uh, probably Alain Prost and Ayrton Senna is going to be number one, Um, but the man has really shown that he could do it all, regardless of the situation, Uh, and that that is why he's so good. He's been in racing in Formula One since 2007. He's won races. Sorry, he's won races every single season since. He's won seven championships. He has been crushing records, and you cannot say that it's just because of the car, because Valtteri Bottas can't do what he can in that car. That is where you show that true talent prevails, and that is why Lewis Hamilton is at number four for me. Yeah, this is is very interchangeable, but I have... Number, I have Hamilton at number four. Do you have any comments on Hamilton? Because after that, I'm going to go
1: to number three. Yeah. No, I want to talk about Hamilton because I, I spoke about him before. And I made my picks here based off of, you know, the factors of potential and uh, excitement on top of racing uh, skill. Um, and it's those two other factors that made me put Hamilton at number 11. You know, we talked about, is he going to be an F1 in three years' time? But not only that, is that we saw the Portuguese Grand Prix today. We saw his 97th win. And we saw David, uh, David Croft, you know, not be so excited, not he wasn't <laughs> excited when he won the race. But it wasn't as hype as, you know, when Pierre Gasly won. It wasn't yeah, as hype fair. when a Charles Leclerc won. And so I might sound, you know, you know, spoiled when I say this, but I'm kind of tired of seeing the same thing. I'm kind of tired of seeing, uh, you know, Hamilton win weekend after weekend. I think that in terms of potential of the sport, I don't think it's you know, necessarily so healthy for Hamilton to be winning weekend and week out.
0: I mean, I don't think that he would be complaining about winning weekend and week out. No, we're, I don't think that he is complaining. We're looking at this as fans, by in terms of racing – absolutely crazy. he is a
1: fantastic <laughs> racer and that is undoubtable and agreed he's the greatest of all time
0: um okay with I don't you know what I'm I'm going to stick to what I made before before we ended up going on air um even though it's going to be very difficult um but I stand firm in my decisions. And at number three, I have Sergio Perez. Uh, I talk a lot about Sergio Perez and his career really kicking off when he almost won in Malaysia. Uh, I forget what year it was, in a car that definitely should not have won or been on the podium. And it was at that point where Sergio Perez really came to life in Formula One. Um he guided the Force India slash Force India Racing Point slash actual Racing Point team uh, through an era where whenever a Mercedes, Ferrari, or Red Bull was not on the podium, it was Sergio Perez that was on the podium. And he deserved every single one of those podiums. Um Especially, And I think that the icing on that cake has to be the secure Grand Prix victory. Um, I am very curious. I hope that he puts in podiums and I hope that he wins in Red Bull because he really does deserve it. Uh, and one thing that I could talk about for Sergio Perez, but also for Lewis Hamilton, is tire management. Um, the man can work his tires like a madman. We saw it, especially in Portimao, where he was on tires for 55 laps out of 66 I don't know how he managed to do it but he did um and that is why Sergio Perez has pushed the max of every single card that he's gotten into um and that's why he's at number three for me so what is your number three and what is your number two
1: yes so we're going into the podium places now my number two and three are the French drivers on the grid. I have Pierre Gasly at number three. And you touched on this before. I think Pierre Gasly, like Charles Leclerc, like George Russell, is able to push a car that's supposed to be, you know, fourth worst on the grid. It's it's supposed to be the junior team for Red Bull. He performed better last year than somebody in a Red Bull seat. <laughs> you know, after the after the Italian Grand Prix, Red Bull and Alfatari had the exact same amount of wins. Um, oh my god, which that's is true, which <laughs> it, which is crazy. You know, until Abu Dhabi, which is crazy to think about. Um, and I think that Pierre Gasly is pure talent. Now, I put him at number three not number two or one, because this comes with a big asterisk. This asterisk is, is that he has to be in a comfortable place. Mm-hmm. But when Pierre Gasly is given the tools, he is proven that he is deserving of the Red Bull seat. He has proven that he is one of the top three drivers on the grid, solely based off of the improvement he made in his driving last year throughout the entire year. Mm-hmm. He's able to overtake like nobody else can. He is able to put in qualifying laps in a car like I said that's supposed to be fourth worst on the grid to P5 in two consecutive qualifying um, sessions. Yeah. Pierre Gasly, after dealing with all, and I really want to speak to this because this, to me this is very important, and this is very important for my number two driver. After dealing with all the adversity that he's dealt with in his Formula One career, that's true. In this, in the same weekend as being demoted. Losing his best friend, may rest in peace, Antoine Hubert. He, you know, did what Antoine Hubert told him to do, which is prove everybody wrong. And he has a lot of heads turning and a lot of heads shaking as to why he's not in the Red Bull seat. And I think genuinely that Christian Horner made a big mistake.
0: I have nothing else to say on that because that was really well done. (laughs) I think that you could speak more to Pierre Gasly than, uh, than I can, but just he, but you talk a lot about being in a comfortable place. And I think that that's where we separate each other. That's why I have him. That's why I have him lower is because he can only do that. If he's in a comfortable place, because for me, the, for me, that asterisk, you talked about your version of the asterisk. My asterisk was his time at Red Bull. Um, And you could put that into unfortunate circumstances because of the situation that he was in being around basically a max guided team. But I still think that that's, that's where we're separated on that. So Pierre Gasly, number three, who is number two?
1: And number two, you, I was so surprised when you said this earlier, but maybe that's because of my fascination and, and 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 being so impressed with this driver I have Esteban Ocana number two I am what? so impressed with him and I'm not just impressed with him this year I I'm impressed with him since he was 13 years old I had him I'm impressed 18. with him since his his carding days he is the best rags to riches story whatever you want to call it you know for those who don't know, Formula One is a sport where the car is half of the athlete. The car is half of the show. And in order to get into the sport, you have to spend a lot of money to go through the karting days and owning your own go kart, which is very expensive. For those who don't know, to go through the karting days, win in go karting, win in you know the different Formula Championships, Formula Renault you know, uh, all the European, uh, racing championships, formula three. And, you know, to do so, you have to have a lot of money. And I, and I think this is very important that people can talk a lot about this. Esteban Ocon's father was a mechanic mm. and, you know, mortgaged his sold and, you know, financed his racing career through selling his auto body shop that he, that he had worked at his entire life and put, such a risk, and, and sorry, not put a risk, but you know, made the biggest, you know, took, took a big risk by doing so and, and, and risking everything for Esteban's Formula One career. And the amount of pressure Esteban Ocon definitely had during his early days as a young child, knowing that his family was going through all of this and that it relied on his you know, carding success Makes me so impressed with how he got to where he is today, and I think that he is the most exciting driver on the grid. I am so happy when I see him overtake the people he overtakes, and you know, this past weekend he took the Alpine car to places it shouldn't have been, and I'm impressed. I'm so impressed with him. I'm very happy, cheering him, cheering him on, and rooting for him.
0: I don't know where this has come from. <laughs> I did not,
1: I did not see this at all. Esteban Alcon at number two? Esteban Alcon at number two. Um, I, I'm a big fan of his work. But why? But I mean, you just explained why. But
0: how, why? they they're, they're, okay. Yes. I will not deny that his story is very interesting. However, it's not like he's done a lot of things that really show this guy is the real deal in Formula One uh, with the opportunities I that he's that. had. I mean, with the, if you're going to say secure 2020, I'm about to say that. That is the exception that proves the rule. But I don't know, man. I, I, I have him. I had him at number 18. You have him at number two.
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> I want to, you know, take a throwback to what Racing Point used to be. Racing Point had the reputation before it was bought by the billionaire Lawrence Stroll to be the team that did so well with so little. And a big contributor to that team was Esteban oca he lost the seat, not out of merit, but because, you know, Lance Stroll was coming in and we could talk about this for, for days, but he lost the seat purely because Lance Stroll was coming in. And that's where I'm gonna leave it.
0: Okay, okay. I mean, I, I understand a little bit more, but I'm still very, very confused. Uh, but I respect your decision. I respect your decision because this is what debate is, and we're we did tw- we went from twentieth until number two, and number one is my, my number one favorite driver. Well,
1: you didn't say your number two. Oh, that's true. I didn't say number two, and given who you, you didn't say yet, your number two is my number. Maybe number 19? Uh, yeah,
0: I think so. Number two, I have Max Verstappen. <laughs> um, I Thank you for catching me on that because I definitely would have forgotten. Um, it's very late. We've recorded. Uh, this is a long podcast. Congratulations. Um, number two, I have Max Verstappen because you want to talk about Lewis Hamilton being in a league of his own. Max Verstappen is really in a league of his own. Um, I think that he could definitely be the next Lewis Hamilton. And this season could really be an indicator of that. Um, I've, one, one story that I heard about Max was that his father, when, when he was go-karting, his father put Max out on slick tires in the rain. That shows that... The man has acquired a talent to deal with any condition, any circuit, at any point in time. Um, His career really took off when he ended up winning on his Red Bull debut in Spain in 2016. And from there, I think that he keeps getting better. Um, We talk about Valtteri Bottas being being selfish in one way. I think of Max Verstappen being selfish in a way that will really help him. Um, and that is why he, this is, he has so much room to grow already. He's been in F1 since he was, I think 16 or 17 years old. And yes. I don't, he's been in F1 for like six years already. I don't know. The, and he's only 23. Imagine what the future holds if Lewis Hamilton has won seven championships at the end of at the age of 35. Max Verstappen is 23. Sebastian Vettel won his first championship at 23. I think that was the same case for Lewis Hamilton. I am ready for Max Verstappen to win a championship, and he will be the beacon of light that this sport needs. And I think that he's going to take over the light that Lewis Hamilton has uh, as being the face of the sport. And that's why I have now, him at number two.
1: Now, I don't have Verstappen at number 19, not because of what you just said, because I see him also as being a future world champion. But the reason why I have him at number 19 is how he gets there, how he gets to that world championship. Um, by destroying everything in the, his path. <laughs> exactly. And I don't think yes. that's necessarily the, the, the most you know, exciting, um, best way to get there uh, by creating this environment in the Red Bull Garage that really doesn't, doesn't, doesn't foster growth for anybody else. It's really, you know talk about selfishness, you know, selfishness really in a negative way. That's really just amplified by the environment around him. That you know, for me personally, doesn't get me really going when watching a race. When I see him, you know, overtaking. When I see him putting on a, a performance, I'm like, wow, this guy is so good. It's almost unfair. And just it's unfair just put on just put on the Supermax soundtrack,
0: and you will understand.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, look, we have him in opposite <coughs> spots, but maybe for the same reason. Yeah, I think and so. And there's only one driver left to talk about.
0: We and both have him at number driver. one.
1: And we both have him at number one. I guess, technically, you know, if you exempt Lance, our real number ones would be Arcon and Max, respectively, which is actually funny because there's two different types of drivers, and very interesting that we had that debate. Um, Number one. But yes, my favorite Formula One driver to watch, the driver that I think has the most potential, and the driver that I think is the most underrated on the grid. I agree with you. Is Lance Stroll, Lance Shulevich. You know, the boy from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. I swear we're count. not
0: fanboys, everybody.
1: Yeah, maybe. Um, Yeah, so I have him there because I think that mainly he's the most underrated driver on the grid. This is a Formula Three champion we're talking about. And the year that he got into Formula One was a very controversial year. It was kind of the introduction of pay drivers in Formula One where his father, the billionaire Lauren Stroll, the big bad wolf, uh, put a hefty investment into the Williams F1 team to secure a spot for his son, which is, you know, the introduction of paid drivers as I just said, because that was very controversial because people are like, oh, yo, he hasn't hasn't been to F2. He has no business in F1. You know, he only won a Formula Three championship. He only did Formula Three. He's not experienced. He's only there because his father paid for him. Huge controversy. However, I do think that when you're that good in F3, And I want to highlight also the margin by how good he was in F3. He smashed it in F3. People don't even know. He smashed it. Not only did he smash it, but he beat, I don't remember, but current Formula One drivers that are are, are currently on the grid. I think Latifi was there. George Russell was Um, there. George Russell was there. Um, Was was Charles Leclerc there? Maybe. Not sure. I'm not sure, but... He was in a league of his own back then. And I think for that reason, he is the most underrated driver on the grid. He showed it at his pole position in Turkey. He showed it with his, you know, his three podiums. He has in his career. I think he's, I think he's, I think he's fantastic. I think he's so young. I think he has the potential. And as a, you know, 22 year old male from Montreal I identify with him a lot and uh, and uh, you know Canadian boy that's uh, bilingual you know that grew up you know in the same areas as he did you know that's that's uh, you know you you, you, you resonate uh, yeah my number one is also Lance
0: Stroll. I feel like to those who know us this is surprising nobody Uh But I want to touch on another point that you mentioned. Well, first off, he smashed it in F3. I watched some great race highlights from when he raced in F3. Um, Let's not forget that he is the youngest rookie to be on the podium in F1 history. uh, In the race in Baku in 2017, where he showed from the beginning that he deserves to be an F1. Um, from there, uh, right now, this has been his opportunity to shine uh, with a teammate that is doing worse than he is right now in equal machinery, that he really is... He has enough talent to be a number one driver in F1. Uh, on top of that, um, he's proven that he is the master of difficult conditions, uh, most notably by getting a pole in Turkey, by qualifying P2 in Monza, uh, by uh, and on top of that, showing that in, in difficult race conditions that he could pull off podiums in Sakhir and in Monza. And I think that... The talent is undeniable. He really gets a lot of hate that is undeserved. And he is really the most underrated driver on the grid. Uh, And Canadian pride, Montreal pride. He is also my number one driver on the grid. So we did it. We went through 20 to (laughs) one. How do you feel, Jordan? I feel like this is a really I, long I, podcast. We're gonna look back and see how long this is, and say, "Yeah, this is this is very long."
1: <laughs> yeah, this is, this one's a long one, but we this is a special occasion. I'm um, looking back, you know, I I see that, uh, I, and I knew this while I was doing my picks. A lot of them were based off of their stories. I'm a guy that really likes to cheer for the underdog. I'm a guy that likes to cheer for the, the, the one that nobody expected to win, which is why I'm so fascinated by Sergio Perez's win and it's Akir, which is why I love seeing, you know, Esteban Ocon do really, really well. Um, I'm the guy that likes to cheer for the underdog, the guy that's unexpected. And that's a lot, a lot of the reasons why I have, you know, a lot of these drivers that Jonah put very low on his list for me, very high. That's why I have Valtteri at number five, because, Nobody really expects him to do much, but I think that he has a whole potential that needs to be unlocked, even at his age. Um,
0: and yeah. Esteban Alcon, man, number two and number 18. Max, Verst-
1: Max Verstappen, number two and number 19. Yeah, this we had a fun. lot of similar <laughs> night, though. You know, Seb was in the same ballpark. George Russell was in the same yeah. ballpark. And Latifi Tsunoda was in the same ballpark, so... We've had some similar ones, but look, thanks. Whoever listened to this point, we thank you for listening. We thank you for (laughs) watching. We had, I I had a very good time recording this.
0: I had a great time. I had a
1: fantastic time and uh, next one won't be as long and I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) All right. Uh, That's all that I have
0: also. Uh, Thanks for listening to this episode. Don't forget to like our Facebook page, tell your friends. Follow our Instagram page at JGF one podcast, and we will see you for the next episode. Thank you. See ya.